0: Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heavens. Hosanna in the highest.
1: That the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone.
2: This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Now let us rejoice
1: and be glad in it. Save us, we beseech you, O Lord. O Lord, we beseech you, give us success.
2: Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless
1: Lord, this is the day that you have made. You have filled it with signs of your presence. Your Spirit's breath permeates every moment. Your grace fills each experience. Your promises move within a pulling us toward hope. Receive our thanks. Receive our praise through Christ our Lord. For in his love, we know your deep love, your faithfulness, your grace
0: seated. Grace and peace to you and welcome to the First Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia. Both those of us gathered here in this sanctuary as well as everyone worshiping in other locations. We are glad and grateful to gather in the name of the Lord. Because it is that we gather in the name of the Lord, our word of welcome contains no qualifying adjectives whatsoever. All are welcome in Christ's house, so all are welcome here at First Church. We ask our members and guests alike to sign the friendship pad, which you'll find located in your pew, uh, either on on the side of the seat or in the rack in front of you. Sign your name and send it down and back again. And please, if you are the only person on your pew, Go ahead and sign it anyway, because we are going to shift from using registration to using our friendship pads as our primary means of contact tracing. That should enable us to avoid the bottleneck in the narthex next Sunday on Easter Sunday, and perhaps get us ourselves in and out of the building more efficiently. So please do use that friendship pad. That'll be our record that you're here, so that if we need to contact you about anything, we can. I'd be delighted to invite everyone to a time of fellowship at the conclusion of this hour of worship which will take place in Old Buttonwood Hall, which is just out this door to my right, down a short ramp, and there you will find that our deacons have prepared some light refreshments, but most importantly, the opportunity for us to engage with one another in a more personal way than we can during the hour of worship, please do join us for that time of fellowship while you 're there, you will find the exhibition of the soul shot portrait project i won 't go into too much detail about it because you can read about it in Old Buttonwood Hall, but I hope you will be blessed by seeing those portraits and interacting with the artist' statements and the family statements about them. It has been deeply meaningful that will be here at our, our fellowship hall for the remainder of this month until April 28th. And it is available during the week on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays from 11 to 3, including this Friday. So if you wish after the Good Friday service to go into Old Buttonwood and commune with the paintings and with the art, you would be most welcome, of course, to do so. I'd like to highlight a few more announcements from the bulletin for your particular attention this week. The first is to note on the reverse side of the Soul Shot Portrait Project insert, you will find our Holy Week schedule. Now, note that the first three offerings are virtual offerings. We will offer a service of prayer for the first three days of the week. Those will go live on our website, and you may click on them at any point during the day and make that part of your Holy Week devotion. On Thursday night, we'll have a service of Holy Communion from on Thursday, and then on Friday at noon, we will have our Good Friday service. Again, all of these here in the sanctuary before we gather back here for Easter worship, both at 9 and and at 11. You will see as well that our t and are gathering for brunch at the conclusion of the service today. If you have not signed up for that and you'd like to participate, just find Annie Lecluse in Old Buttonwood Hall, and she'll include you in that. You'll note as well other opportunities for the uh, T&Ts in the week to come. And finally, it's not too late for an Easter dedication. If you'd like to dedicate flowers for that service, you'll find all the information you need to do that in your bulletin. One final note, we have throughout this pandemic sought to be consistent with the City of Philadelphia's guidelines. And so you may be asking, what will our protocols be next Sunday for Easter Sunday? Well, just watch what the City of Philadelphia says. Whatever they ask us to do is what we will do. With all of these things noted, let us continue our worship now with our confession of sin.
1: We come with glad shouts of hosanna and joyful songs of praise. And yet we still fall short of the glory of God and sin even when we have the best of intentions. With faith and hope, let us seek God's forgiveness, first together and then in a time of silence. Holy God, sometimes we follow you so closely. Shouting our acclamations, and raising our hosannas to the heavens. Our enthusiasm for your work overflows, and we are ready to do whatever you ask of us. And then, sometimes, our fears overtake us. Our shouts of hosanna change to denials. When discipleship demands much of us, we find it easier to sleep in the garden. And when the hardest moments come, those moments that demand the most of us, our Hosanna turns to crucify him. Forgive us, we pray. Prepare our hearts to receive the good news of the resurrection, that our mouths may once more proclaim your praise. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the one who comes with abundant grace and boundless mercy. Blessed is the one who has done for us what we could never do for ourselves, bringing us life and love forever and ever. Believe the promise of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Our first scripture lesson this morning comes to us from the Gospel of Luke, and is Luke's recounting of Jesus's entry into Jerusalem, found in the nineteenth chapter, starting at verse twenty-eight. After he had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When we, he had come near Bethphage and Bethany. At the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why are you untying it, just say this, The Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it as, they, as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying this colt? They said, The Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. As he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. As he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to them, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out.
0: second lesson is taken from the 23rd chapter of Luke. Clearly there's a lot missing between the 19th chapter and this chapter. Those verses will be filled in during our worship this week. Let us listen for the word of this God as it comes to us beginning at the 14th verse and continuing through the 24th. And he said to them, You brought me this man as one who was perverting the people, and here I have examined him, in your presence and have not found this man guilty of any of your charges against him. Neither has Herod, for he sent him back to us. Indeed, he has done nothing to deserve death. I will, therefore, have him flogged and release him. Then they all shouted out together, Away with this fellow! Release Barabbas for us! This was a man who had been put in prison for an insurrection that had taken place in the city and for murder. Pilate, wanting to release Jesus, addressed them again. But they kept shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! A third time he said to them, Why? What evil has he done? I have found in him no ground for the sentence of death. I will, therefore, have him flogged and release him. But they kept urgently demanding with loud shouts that he should be crucified, and their voices prevailed. So Pilate gave his verdict that their demand should be granted. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Almighty, eternal God, grant now that the words of my mouth and indeed the meditations of all of our hearts may be acceptable, even pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Somehow, in the space of this hour, we are supposed to wrap up our brains around the fact that we have the capacity to praise God and to crucify Jesus in the same breath. Perhaps this sounds like a stark contrast. Well, it is. In this week, palm branches give way to the Last Supper, gives way through the crucifixion. Now, Christians in the modern era oftentimes have a hard time coming to terms with this fact. I've often thought that is because, in large measure, we prefer to avoid the reality of sin. But if we are honest with ourselves, then we know our own sin. Plays a role in this story. Certainly, we are removed from the actual trial and persecution of Jesus, but only by time. It's a commonplace in church circles to acknowledge that if Jesus came again today, we would crucify him all over again because he would challenge the exact same powers and principalities. And that comes as a challenge to us all. Years ago, I taught a midweek theology reading group. We met in a beautiful room. We sat around and read books and discussed them politely. It demanded absolutely nothing of us but our time and our intellect. One morning, as we were considering the problem of human sin, we took our break between the two hours, and I walked down the hall to my office to check my voicemail and to look at my emails, and while I was doing so, I observed that there was a rather worn-looking man lingering in the parking lot just by our preschool. Now, much like this congregation, we had a fair number of folks that would come into the church seeking assistance. And just like we strive to do here, we want to make sure that the assistance we offer to our greater community is meaningful assistance. It's the right assistance for the particular need. It's a good response, even if it is not the most immediately gratifying in the moment. Well, this man was lingering in our parking lot near the playground where our preschool would soon let out for the children to play, and so my assistant handled it. In fact, I dare say she handled it quite well. I went back into my class where we proceeded to continue to talk politely about sin. We were wrapped up in our discussion when I glanced up and at the same time heard a loud rap on the window. We all peered around, and right about the time we figured out where the sound was coming from, this same very worn-looking man gave our entire class the one-finger salute. That is right, he flew the bird at us. And I confess to you, in that moment, I thought such thoughts as... Anne Lamott says, would make Jesus want to drink gin straight from the cat dish. We all miss the mark. That is why we can say that we are only separated from the persecution of Jesus by time, not by intention. Jesus has told us what God expects of us. It's no great stretch, by the way. It's exactly what God has been saying through the Old Testament prophets all along when they told us that what is needed of us is to do justice and to love kindness. It's the same thing that Amos was thinking of when he poetically suggested that we should let justice flow down like waters, righteousness like an ever-flowing Stream. God has been clear with all of us what is expected of us. And yet we all miss the mark. No, we aren't in that first century mob, but let's be honest. If we started implementing as a matter of, say, policy, what Jesus taught about wealth, for instance, you can be sure there would be some crucifixions taking place. And I'm not making this up. You can fact check me on this. You can read your Bible for yourself and see what Jesus taught about wealth, enemies, honest speech, kindness. And when you have done so, you can decide for yourself whether or not you think he meant it, whether he meant any of it. And if he meant it, if he meant it then, then he means it now for us in this moment. If you choose to do so, you will read how Jesus came into Jerusalem with loud acclaim and how the Crowds hollered and whistled and shouted Hosanna, dancing before him as he rode into town on a donkey. The crowds were absolutely elated at his arrival because they were just sure they knew exactly what he was going to do next. They were Certain, They felt at a deep level that what Jesus was going to do was to cast out all of those vile Romans at the edge of a sword, and then he was going to right every wrong that had ever taken place, and everything was going to be better, and above all, they weren't going to have to pay as much in taxes. When you think it through, it sounds an awful lot like a really good stump speech for a politician, don't you think? And it's, it's easy to shout, Hosanna, and Hallelujah, when we're just sure that what is coming next is exactly what we want. It's really easy to get excited when we think things are going to go our way. If you doubt this, think about modern politics. We all feel great when our candidate takes office, if we care at all about politics. Sure, we know the other half aren't happy, because that seems to be how we divide these days, but we've all had the experience of losing, and so we know how good it feels to win. Only that's not what happened in Jerusalem that week. Things went terribly amok. This Messiah, this one sent from God, this Jesus, proceeded to make a mess out of what they wanted. They had their ideas about what they wanted from God, just like we have our ideas. And somewhere along the line, The tide turned. Things didn't look so great when Jesus didn't do what we wanted him to do. A tipping point came. The balance shifted. And then the shouts of Hosanna and Hallelujah shifted too. Because somewhere in the mix of that week, Jesus stopped measuring up to expectations And when he did, it became really, really easy for some folks who had it in for him to begin to make others wonder, what's he really good for? Sure, he's healed a few people, but what has he done for us lately? He's a great preacher, but realistically, what's his deal? What's he up to? Sure, he got me through the pandemic, but you know, I've just gotten out of the habit of attending church. Things shift. Tipping points happen. The world looks different. Jesus doesn't measure up to our expectations. And then what happens? Well, by the time the trial came, the loyalty had evaporated. And in that moment hosanna became crucify and it happened in the blink of an eye in that moment when the balance shifts when the hosannas turn to crucify the word the words of hallelujah that we shout and sing become cold and broken What is a cold and broken hallelujah good for? It's an important question because that's the only kind of hallelujah we are capable of rendering. This side of the kingdom, our praise is always tinged by the reality of human sin. Therefore, the only kind of hallelujah we can utter is one that is by definition broken. And therefore, cold. And yet, God hears them. God hears even our cold and broken hallelujahs. Jesus hears them. And how do our hallelujahs turn cold and broken? Things happen, life happens. We lose the capacity to love like Jesus loved somewhere along the way. Yeah, maybe, maybe we are born with the capacity to love like Jesus. I don't know. But I like to hope that if we weren't born into a world of sin, that we might be able to love and serve the way we were created to. But that is not reality. Disappointment creeps in. Tragedies derail our hopes. We don't get what we want and what we are absolutely certain we need. Illness, addiction, a too short life, a broken marriage, a lie, a betrayal. Life invariably brings us to the moments when our hallelujahs turn cold and broken. And what do we do then? Then, we keep the night watch. That's what the Bible says... Jesus asked his disciples to do when everything was coming off the rails. When Jesus knows of the coming of his persecution, his trial, and his execution, he goes away to pray and he takes his disciples with him and he asks them to keep awake with him and to pray. When Jesus knew what was coming, He withdrew to a garden and prepared to pray, which, by the way, is good advice when things look bad. Stop and pray. That seems simple enough, doesn't it? Simple instructions. And Jesus asked his disciples to join with him in doing that, to keep awake with him and to pray. But Leonora Tubbs-Tisdale writes, Being asked to keep the night watch is more difficult than it seems. They, the disciples, were being asked to do some hard work. They were being asked to keep watch with Jesus in the deepest, darkest night of his own soul. We read in Mark's Gospel that Jesus was so grieved that he preferred death to this state of torment. He is not on his knees with his hands folded like a Sunday school painting depicts, but thrown down on the ground, pleading with God that this cup should pass from him. Nothing about the passion narrative is pleasant. And what Jesus was asking of his disciples was to care enough that they would bear some of this anguish in their own being. And Dr. Tisdale concludes, keeping that watch will be grueling and difficult and messy and painful and we will probably fail many times. That's not really news to you, is it? Have you kept the night watch? Well, I know you have. I've watched you keep the night watch. I've sat with a few of you in my office and witnessed firsthand your pain as you thought of keeping the night watch. Perhaps some of us are spared it, but not really, not permanently. The night watch comes for us all at some time. A sibling floundering in a sea of depression. A husband or wife unable to escape the shackles of alcoholism. A body racked by physical pain from an injury or a genetic abnormality. A teenager, trying to figure out who they are and where they fit in this world, a child stricken by what we would have given our very own self to avoid, a parent who loved us as best they could and reared us, is ravaged by age and infirmity, and we must find within ourselves the strength to accompany them all the way through. The night watch comes for us all eventually, and we cannot avoid it, nor, I suspect, would we if we could. And we may not be able to keep watch with the Holy Jesus But when our love meets the pain of those we love, most of us will struggle as best we can to keep that night watch. And our hallelujahs may seem, even to us, cold and broken in those moments. But Dr. Tisdale goes on that she that does not mean that she finds no hope in these passages of the Passion. The hope, she writes, lies not that we are faithful to Jesus, but that Jesus, the Good Shepherd, is always faithful to us. He who watches over Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. He keeps the watch All night long. Nora tells of attending a conference sponsored by our denomination on preaching and domestic violence a few years ago. She writes, it was a small group of us there, about 20 of us, seminary professors that teach preaching, and a number of theologians and biblical experts who had come to help us wrestle with the difficult issues of preaching on domestic violence in the local congregation. On Sunday morning, at the end of our meeting, a woman who had been part of the conference all weekend, but who had said very little up to that point, led us in worship. And she told us in the sermon why this conference had been so important to her. Five years ago, she said, I was sitting in a courtroom in Boston, Massachusetts, waiting for the hearing that would finally end my marriage to a man who had physically abused and even tried to kill me for eight years. I was alone, and I was terrified, because due to a court restraining order, I had not seen my husband in six months, and I had to face him here one last time. I was sitting there on the bench when suddenly I became aware of a presence beside me and a hand reaching out, not in terror, but in comfort. I turned and was startled to see my brother, my only sibling, John, who had flown all the way from Louisville, Kentucky, to Boston, Massachusetts, just to keep watch with me in that hour. And I cannot begin to tell you, she said, what his presence meant to me. I cannot begin to tell you what it meant that he kept Watch with me. Nora continues, Jesus calls us this holy week to keep watch with all who are suffering in this world. The work is hard, it is exhausting, and the timing is not good. But nevertheless, the call is urgent. Dear friends, our task is before us, and we will surely fail, and our hallelujahs will sound even to us cold and broken. But they are hallelujahs nonetheless. And even when our hearts cannot believe them, they are true. And come Easter, even our cold and broken hallelujahs will be redeemed. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.
1: Us together, proclaim our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. With gratitude for God's faithfulness, and with thanksgiving for all that we have received, let us return some of our gifts to God. Wonderful God, we bow before you in gratitude for the life you have given us in Jesus Christ. In him, you have shown us that your love has no boundary. There is no place you will not go to be with us and for us. As you came into Jerusalem long ago, come into our hearts this day. Hear our cries and heal our hurts and hold us close. We pray for our world, your world. We pray for all that is happening in Ukraine, for refugees and soldiers, for leaders and aid workers, for citizens struggling amidst terror and violence. We pray that your spirit would bring forth peace and righteousness, comfort and strength. We pray for those who are sick, for those on the long road of recovery, for those struggling with uncertain diagnoses and seemingly never-ending treatments. We pray for those who mourn, for those bearing the burden of grief day by day. We pray for those who wait and watch and pray as loved ones suffer. We pray for those who are alone, those who are hungry, those without hope. We pray for the discouraged and the downtrodden, for those unable to look beyond the troubles of this day. We pray for those facing difficult choices, those weighing many options, those dealing with unclear directions on life's journey. We pray for those beginning new ventures, trying new things, opening themselves up to fresh possibilities. O God, as this holiest of weeks unfolds before us and we retrace the suffering and the death of Jesus and claim once again the promise of resurrection, we pray that you would seal in our hearts the message of these holy days, that in Jesus you are with us and for us in all things, even suffering, even death, and that in Jesus you have overcome every power that would hurt or destroy Hear us now as we join your people everywhere in praying in the way Jesus taught. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil.
0: In this holy week, the shadows will gather and darkness will deepen and night will fall and we will still be called to keep watch with all who suffer. But through it all, the good news of the gospel will remain. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance on you and those you love, and give you peace both this day and forevermore. Amen.